we will return to our little series in Revelation. Uh, we're going to be in chapters two and three. Uh, but what we have uh, been doing for this new year is looking at four spiritual resolutions. Every now and again, we look at these. They are classic uh, statements about the spiritual life. And I'm sure we all want in 2021 to be resolving uh, to thrive in our spiritual lives. Just as we make resolutions in terms of our physical well-being, we want in our souls to be growing. And we've looked at two. Uh, I'm basing a lot of my illustrations and quotations from A.W. Tozer's book, Success and the Christian. Uh, he's very folksy, uh, but an excellent um, preacher. Uh, middle of the 20th century, uh, he was around. And the two we've already considered, uh, both start with M, mortify sin, magnify the Lord. And there are two more, and we'll probably need this evening and then next Sunday evening to look at these. And both of these are going to start with the same letter as well. So the one we're going to look at this evening is love the brethren. Now that's easy to remember, isn't it? Love the brethren. And by brethren, uh, I know there's a denomination called the brethren, uh, but it's an old word uh, which means brothers. And it's actually... Uh, bigger than that, it refers to brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So whatever uh, our sex this evening, we are all brethren, right? So this is the third resolution, that before God we resolve, and it's not something we do in our own strength, it's cooperating with the Holy Spirit, but we are resolved to love one another with a more fervent love uh, than ever before. Are you going to make that one of your resolutions for 2021? Now, when we're saved, uh, we're not saved as isolated believers. Now, some people are more shy than others, and those who are extroverts can think that they love uh, fellow believers more than the introverts. That, no, that's not right. When we're saved, we're saved to be part of a family, the family of God. And it doesn't matter whether we're extroverts or introverts, outward going or shy. What salvation does is not just make us an isolated believer, but it makes us brothers and sisters together in a family. So this is vital, right? This is not something optional. Let me give you some very, very important verses. I haven't got one verse tonight. I've just got a number of verses on this theme. You can say it's the great theme of the Apostle John. Uh, the son of thunder, as he was nicknamed by Jesus, had been so transformed by grace that he became the Apostle of love. Uh, let's look at what Jesus says, John 13, John 13, verses 34 and 35, it's not an option, loving the brethren. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Three times, he says, love one another. This is my commandment, and this is the witness we have to the world, our love for one another. And then uh, consider the Apostle Paul, a great theologian, a big mind, and yet one of the greatest chapters in the Bible on love. You know the words, 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. So this love isn't just uh, outward activities. It's not just head knowledge. We can have those things and still not have this brotherly love. It's not an option, is it? Or what about Peter? We were in Peter's first epistle about a year or so ago. Finally, 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers. Here it is, loving the brethren. Be tender-hearted, be courteous. And then uh, 1 John, I could pick anywhere in 1 John. It's all about brotherly love. Uh, 1 John 3, 14 and 15, we know that we have passed from death to life. How do I know if I'm a Christian? Here's the test, according to John, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So this is the sign of a Christian that there is this brotherly love here. Maybe this is something especially uh, needed in reformed evangelical circles, which we're all proud to be part of. Uh, we want to be uh, solid, don't we? Uh, we're proud of our heritage. But sometimes we can be weak when it comes to this brotherly love. Uh, Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, he uh, said uh, this. Uh, this is what the world was saying of Christians. You know, if you think things are bad today in terms of opposition, uh, you would not have wanted to have lived uh, the first few centuries after Christ because they would throw Christians into the arena uh, to be mauled by lions. Uh, Christians would have to uh, fight with gladiators. We've got it easy, haven't we? Uh, and yet, you know, the witness of Christians was so powerful. Do you know what made it powerful? Look, they say, how they love one another and how they are ready to die for each other. Doesn't that put us to shame often? As Reformed evangelicals, it's something uh, satirical, isn't it not, to say, look how they love one another how we divide whereas the early church had this lovely powerful witness of loving one another so this is what we want to 
look at this evening, and I'm sure you will agree that this is vital, that we resolve to be more in love with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now then, I want to ask this question first, because if we don't get this right, some of the application at the end of the sermon won't, uh, won't make sense. What's the basis of this brotherly love? What, what drives it? What, what's uh, the engine uh, of this brotherly love? It's not human love, right? Uh, there's a quote, um, the milk of human kindness, uh, humanity, being humane, and we all know something of that, don't we? It, it's part of being a person, even in a fallen world. There is such a thing as human kindness outside of the church. Neither is this brotherly love the same as a love to a member of the family. Uh, if, uh, if you're in a family or if you have friends, you love them. Or maybe you don't love them, I don't know. <laughs> but like attracts like. So we mustn't think of this brotherly love in that sense. Now, there's nothing wrong with loving members of your family and loving your friends. That, that's very good. And there's nothing wrong with human kindness. That is an excellent trait. But we mustn't mix those things with brotherly love. There's a Greek word for brotherly love. Do you know what it is? Phileo. Phileo. Or philo. The church is sometimes described as the city of God. Do you know what city in North America is called the city of brotherly love? Philio. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. My brothers and sisters, the church is a Philadelphia, a place of brotherly love. And this filio is God-given. It's not something natural to us. No one that is born into this world, even if you're born into a Christian family, no one has this filio until they're born again of the spirits. It's spirit-produced. And there's something similar to it as well, called agape love. That is not natural love. That's the love of God. And it is uh, reflected in us. So this is the basis. So let me read uh, 1 John, some other verses in 1 John. These are important verses. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves this filio, or agape love, is born of God. Can you see that? This is not the natural birth which gives us human love. This is a love that we have born of the spirits when we became Christians. Uh, and everyone who has this love is born of God. In this is love. I'm moving to verse 10 now. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So Jesus on the cross 
uh, turned away the wrath of God, which we deserved. And when we are uh, believing in that and have our eyes open to see that, then it makes us love him, does it not? So this love is spirit-born. It's Christ-centered. And then John goes on to say, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Can you see the inevitability of brotherly love? If I'm a real Christian, if I've been born of the Spirit, if I've seen by faith Christ dying for my sin, as we heard this morning, I cannot help but love those who are Christ's. So if we haven't got this brotherly love, we're not Christians. But that's not my theme tonight. My theme is this. We've got that love. We need to stir it up and increase that love. Uh, to use a different analogy, um, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about a Christian, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you've got to become the light of the world by all sorts of uh, wonderful uh, activities. You already are. But then he says, you've got to shine the brighter. So here I am. I'm a Christian. I'm an ordinary believer, thinking of myself. And I know I've passed from death to life. I know Christ is my saviour and I love him. I don't love him as I should, but I love him. And I love his people. I didn't love them before. Uh, I love them now because they are Christ's. But I want to increase in that love for my brothers and sisters. That's what we're thinking of here. And we must resolve to do that. Horatius Boner wrote a little hymn which puts it beautifully. Beloved, isn't that heartwarming? Beloved, that's a pastor speaking. Beloved, let us love. Love is of God. In God alone hath love its true abode. It's only in God this love is uh, resting. Beloved, let us love. For they who love, they only are his sons born from above. So then, before I come to the specific application, this is the basis then. This is not natural love. This is uh, the love of God. Filio love, agape love, and it's in me, and I can see it's in other Christians because they are Christ's. How does this work in practice in a church? I know we're not a huge number tonight because of lockdown, but we are a fairly large church. And in a church this big, there's going to be all sorts of different people. We're going to be different ages. Now we're told today that there are culture wars. So people of different generations see the world in sometimes opposite ways, don't they? So we're different ages. They're going to be different nationalities here. I won't say any more. <laughs> we're going to have different abilities. Some will have had an university education, others will not. We will have different political views. This is where it gets interesting, especially today. It's an interesting time to live in, isn't it? 
There'll be different political views. We'll have different interests and hobbies. Some will be more sports-loving. Others will be more intellectual. We may have different theological views on all sorts of things. And we'll have different personalities. Now, sometimes we may rub one another up the wrong way. Sometimes we may gel more naturally with some people because we just like them more. That friends, uh, that natural love. And there's nothing wrong, per se, in any of those things, right? But this is where brotherly love comes in. Brotherly love rises above all those other differences. And can you see now why we must resolve after brotherly love? It's something uh, we've got to uh, set our hearts on and our minds. So let me just be specific here. To love one another is not to like everybody. That is impossible. There are some people we're going to like, others we're not going to like. But that doesn't mean we don't love them. This brotherly love is more a matter of the will than of the feelings. This brotherly love isn't the same as friendship groups. There is nothing wrong with friendship groups. But this brotherly love transcends age, interests, theological views, personalities, whatever. Can I give an example? Uh, Serene told me as she was coming in this evening that Brother Sudhir in Andhra Pradesh in India was sending his greetings. Now, the last time I was in Brother Sudhir's church, the singing was a bit different to what we're used to here. Very loud, right? Very modern. They might have dressed differently to what we are used to. The instruments to accompany the worship would have been very different. Some of us might have been very uncomfortable there. But this is it, right? The Word and Christ in the Word. And the presence of Christ by his Spirit transcended all of those differences. So even myself, a traditional Welshman, was communing with them because we were first communing with Christ. That's brotherly love. Uh, John puts it in his first uh, epistle in chapter 1 that you may have fellowship with us, that's brotherly love. How? How? How can we have fellowship with people who lived 2,000 years ago? People of a different culture, speaking a different language. How is that possible? Ah, this is the key. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the basis for brotherly love. It's our love to Christ. 
It's what the Spirit has produced in us. And it doesn't matter whether you have people who were around 2,000 years ago. The same Christ, the same Spirit worked in them. It doesn't matter if they're people in Andhra Pradesh today who do things differently. It's the same Saviour, the same Holy Spirit. That's what gels us together. And that's what uh, produces this brotherly love, this filio. So how do we increase it? I'm going to come to the application in more specific things in a minute. But surely, it's to gel around Jesus Christ more and more. The more we love him, the more we'll see of Christ in one another, and the more drawn we'll be to one another. So there is nothing wrong in having different views on all sorts of theological uh, things, as long as it's not the essentials. There was a saying, uh, I think it was Augustine, who said, in essentials, unity, Christ, the foundation, the basis, in non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity, that's love, love, binding us together. We recited this morning the Apostles' Creed. Those are essentials. I'm not going to read it all, but just so that you can get your spiritual juices going. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures. Does, doesn't that do something to you? In your heart. And we don't disagree on any of those things, do we? So the essentials. That's what binds us together in love. Uh, here's Tozer again in his most folksy of uh, styles. There are certain great fundamental truths and we unite on them. Thus you can be short or long. Tall, red-headed, black-haired, or no hair. You can be whatever God has made you. That's Christian democracy, or I would say theocracy. And it's so beautiful. Loving each other and being one. Filial love. Christ's love. Spirit-produced love. And whatever the other differences are, they're not taken away, but they're transcended. So we're still each other. We're all unique. But this love is over and above all. It's wonderful, you know. Let me just go through a few specifics and then I'll be finished. So how can I now, uh, ordinary believer that I am, how can I increase in this brotherly 
love. Well, these are obvious things, but uh, they do need to be uh, said again and again. The most obvious application is this. Make Christ the center. You know? What the devil does not want is a people who show this brotherly love in abundance. What the devil does not want is a people united around Jesus Christ. So what the devil will try and do is expose those differences, right? He'll try, and uh, like uh, on these cold nights, if you've got uh, a rock with just a weakness in it, uh, and you get uh, water freezing in there, it will exploit that little weakness. And that's what the devil wants to do. What the devil wants is for us to major on minors. What God wants us to do is major on majors. Christ. Talk much about Christ. See Christ, the family likeness in your brother and your sister. Uh, when we had the week of prayer, I spoke one evening on being of one mind. Another translation, on the day of Pentecost, it is said of the early Christians, they were of one accord. What does that mean? What does that mean? It does not mean that they were all in complete agreement on every single point. It d- does not mean that we're all uniform. The word uniform uh, speaks of wearing the same dress. And there are some places they're like that, aren't they? Uh, the, the cults. Uh, have you ever come across some members of cults? They will be the same age. They will be wearing the same suits, the same ties, the same lapel badges. Uniformity. That's not Christian love. We're not uniform. We're all unique. But being of one mind in love is being of the mind of Jesus Christ, making Christ foremost. I spoke in the week of prayer of being in tune with Christ. So if we're in tune with Christ, we're going to be more in tune with one another. Our problem is we try to be in tune with one another first, rather than being in tune with Christ. The more we love Christ, the more we will love Christ's people. Let me develop that theme of being in tune. Uh, When I was brought up in um, Welsh evangelicalism, it was Welsh-speaking evangelicalism. And you know what you've still got in Welsh-speaking evangelicalism? You've got singing in parts. Now, if you haven't been in a congregation where they're singing in parts, it, it is worth being there. Not that I'm elevating that to the same level as Christ. So people sing soprano, uh, alto, tenor, bass. And it all produces a wonderful harmony. And the word for one accord is the same as harmony. So it doesn't mean we're all singing exactly the same pitch. It means we're all singing the music of God's grace. That's what unites us. The essentials, as Augustine says, Christ. But there'll be some singing soprano. You know what they're like. They, I envy them. They are always happy. Always happy. There'll be others who'll be singing bass. Uh, a bit more uh, depth maybe, but oh, they always see the glass as half empty. And we need both. Because that's what produces the lovely harmony. So, if you want to love 
your brother and sister more. It does not mean you've got to become uh, a clone. It does not mean you've got to stop becoming you. What it means is you get more in tune with your saviour and you talk about him with your brothers and sisters. So it's not the things that separate us, but the things that bring us together that are being majored on then. It's common sense, isn't it? Common sense. And to know the mind of Christ. Uh, you know, in a situation, we don't want to know what we think or what we want. We want to know what he thinks, what he wants. And when you've got a group of people who are all thinking that way, what does Christ want? We rise above our differences. What is the Saviour's will for us? Then, my friends, you've got one accordness and big things can happen then, believe me. That's when the Spirit can come down. When you've got people who are different in all sorts of things, but who have their mindsets on seeking Christ and knowing his visitation. So that, that's my first point. Make Christ central. Uh, we heard about that this morning. Then secondly, very quickly, strive, and this is not easy, to accept every brother and sister. However different they may be, whatever nationality they may be from, even if they're younger or older than you, we're one people. I know we've got people in the balcony, people downstairs, but even though we've got different ages, we're one church. And there's something beautiful when you've got a young person sitting next to an older Christian and just talking to them about the Christian life. And there's no such thing as key people in the church. We're all brothers and sisters. uh, That's what the letter of James is about. James says if somebody important comes into your meetings, you don't put them in a special place. They're in exactly the same position as the lowliest person. That's what I love about Christianity. You can have people who have important jobs in the world, but when they're in the church... They are brothers. They are sisters. Isn't that awesome? And there's a chorus. I don't know where it comes from. I found it in Tozer. And it says this. He drew a circle that shut me out. You get believers like that, don't you? He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic. Rebel, a thing to flout. But don't react. What do you do? But love and I had the wit to win. We draw a circle that took them in. My friend, love is winsome. Love seeks to win a person over. Uh, Tozer, I, I said I used illustrations from his book, Success in the Christian. He uses an illustration of their church in Chicago, a Christian Missionary Alliance denomination. They needed to use the church hall down the road of another denomination, and they wouldn't let them use it because they were not of their people. And Tozer, do you know what Tozer said? This is what he said. 
the brotherhood of the saints is a sweet, wonderful brotherhood. If they are real Christians down the road, I'm in. <laughs> Don't you like that? I'm in. They can't shut me out. Any Christian is my brother, even though he may stare down his nose at me and consider that I'm not a Christian. <sighs> if he's a Christian and I'm a Christian, someday I'll grab his hand in glory and say, I told you so. I made it as well by the blood of the Lamb. May God bring that day, not just in heaven, but here in this world, when many, many churches will be doing the same thing. If people reject you, don't turn the cold shoulder at them, but extend the arm of love. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have different convictions, even different churches, but we should keep the walls that separate us as low as possible. And then very, very quickly, because uh, time is running out and we do have uh, regulations to keep. Not just speak more of the Lord, but speak well of one another. If we love one another, we, we won't concentrate on one another's weaknesses. We will concentrate on our strengths. It's common sense, isn't it? To speak well of one another. Although when I do have to write references, I have got to be honest, but <laughs> that's not the same, is it? We, we know what it means to speak well of one another. And then there are acts of love. Are there not acts of kindness? Um, if you see someone struggling, just getting alongside them, just being kind. Isn't it sad when the world is more kind and more forgiving sometimes than the church. It should be the other way around. Not that we tolerate sin. No, no, we've got to hate sin. But we love the sinner. We love the sinner. Uh, as I come to a conclusion, it's really Christ, isn't it? Sweetly may we all agree, touched with softest sympathy. There is neither bond nor free, great nor servile, Lord in thee. Love, like death, hath all destroyed, rendered all distinctions void. Names and sects and parties fall. Thou, O Christ, art all in all. And because Christ has loved us, because Christ has forgiven us, because Christ forbears with us, we do the same with one another. As we heard in the reading, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, bowels of mercies in the authorised version. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, put on love. Oh, may we forbear, forgive. May we be Christ-like in all these things. When we accept people into membership here, 
we sing, don't we? And we can't sing it out loud, but this is what it's all about. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds, the same mind, is like to that above. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. And then one day, from sorrow, toil, and pain, and sin, we shall be free and perfect love. Wow, perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. Now let's sing Love Divine. <laughs> 